0: was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Go ye therefore into all the world
1: and preach the gospel. Welcome to Light of the Southwest, I'm Amy Cooper and I have the honor of getting to share with you a friend of mine from Israel. Um, he's been here to GLC a couple of times, but it was mom and dad who interviewed him on both occasions. I didn't get to do that. So, welcome back to GLC, finally. It's
0: wonderful to be back. Kobe Ferguson. Years. Yes. Shalom, shalom, greetings, welcome.
1: You know, what was really interesting is the first time that you came to GLC was in 2011. I'll never forget it. Wow. And then right after that, I was in Israel. That's right. With my crew. It was.
0: <laughs> that it, was a fun time. It
1: was. It was actually Sukkot. It was the first time I was ever in Israel for Sukkot. It was your
0: first time? Your first for trip? Sukkot. Ah, uh, okay. Okay.
1: Force the coat. And Gilad Shalit was released while I was there. Yeah,
0: I was about to say I remember there was a lot of things happening during that time. We just had the in between wars, Mm -hmm. Gaza War cranking up Mm -hmm. and different things. So and you came to our house actually?
1: Yes, I did with the crew and we filmed with you
0: guys. And you borrowed my beloved J forty five Gibson.
1: That was the next year.
0: That was the next year. Okay That was the
1: next year with Ted Pierce.
0: Yeah, that was fun.
1: It was. So Ted Pierce was doing our music.
0: You had a a special uh, uh, birthday mother uh, surprise, right? Oh, your mom. That's right.
1: That's right. And your wife Shani sang at mom's surprise birthday party in Tel Aviv that year.
0: So that was okay. That was in the hotel there, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, time you know gets away from. Well, well, see,
1: this is more my life. That's why you don't remember the details of my life. Well, I mean, you
0: intersected, you know.
1: And with, I just like, Israel hey, something. we need a guitar. Hey, does Shani want to sing? Hey, you well,
0: know. at least I I know that when you need something and we're there to help, you're there. So, you know, this is uh, this is a good time. I don't get in my way. You know, I, t- I told some people I just flew in a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. And are I you told, still jet lagging? A little, a little, but it's good. You guys keep me pepped up and ready to go here. Kay. So. It's the light of the Southwest, right? Not the jet lag of the Southwest. <laughs> but when I just got in, uh, there was a blizzard in New York. So I land. They said there's a blizzard, and you know I noticed. You know we went through. It's kind of a harrowing experience to go through a blizzard to land in, in that. I don't know if I've ever done that before. And they said, "Oh, your flight is canceled to Dallas." And I thought, oh, "Okay, so where do I go now?" So after a long time waiting, they said, "Okay, we've rebooked you to Minneapolis." I'm like, "Isn't that worse? Isn't that with the snow is even worse?" And so we get there, and after about a 30-hour ordeal, land in Dallas and, you know, a couple of days ago, wind up here. But I will say um, it did give me an opportunity to pull, pull one over on some people because they said, hey, so where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to Odessa now. I said, you just got to the States. What do you mean you're going to Odessa? Because Messianic rabbi I was actually talking with had, was about to go to Odessa, and he said, hey, you know, maybe we can connect there. I said, no, nah, I'm going out west. You're going back the other way. So Ukraine. So, but yes, Odessa, the Ukraine, the original, but maybe they named it after Midland Odessa. So.
1: Well, you know, here in Texas, we have cities named for all kinds of stuff. S-
0: so, if I really get on a roll, I can, I mean, it, all on the same day, I can travel, travel to Odessa, I can go visit Palestine, which really doesn't exist, only in Texas does it exist, mm-hmm. and I can also go to Paris. That's right. So...
1: And there's probably Texas. a whole lot more we're not even thinking about. But Texas is, as you know, a whole other country. It's pretty big. So okay, they so, Kobe, a lot of people don't know anything about you because we have new viewers. Mm-hmm. There are some who are probably, like, really glad to see that you're finally back. Mm-hmm. I know that for a it's fact. It's And um, I want you to to share with everybody really your great story because you're a Alabama boy, right? Married yes. to a uh, Sabra, born in Israel, and she's a believer. She, she is. She's not first generation. So, kind of share a little bit about that story and what that's like.
0: Well, well, I've told the story so many times, and you know, I uh, have to remember where to go. So, my parents are uh, from Birmingham, Alabama. My father passed away a few years ago. My mother is still around. My sister uh, is still in the Birmingham area. Uh, I had an older sister, also passed away a few years ago. And I was about, actually, I was born in Dallas. So my father was studying uh, at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary there for many years and traveled. He was uh, a, a pastor, started a few congregations. And we actually, from what we know, he started the first interracial Congregation in Selma, Alabama, which so, is a huge deal. That's which some huge. some people might have heard of it, and you know maybe from the movies that came out. And, which is interesting side note. Since I've seen you, they had the 50th celebration of the crossing over the Edmund Pettus Bridge. There, a very famous event where Martin Luther King Jr. was used to really kind of awaken people's eyes. I think mm-hmm. to social injustices, mm-hmm. and so I was invited there to share for their uh, anniversary of this when. It was really an amazing, amazing time. I saw people that I actually went to high school with, and there was a huge uh, schism at that time, even in the uh, 70s and 80s, even in the 80s when I was there in Selma. Mm-hmm. And so really a time of reconciliation, and I actually just I shared with them about Israel and how all this is important for Israel's sake. So it was just an amazing thing. So growing up there, was that's a whole other program in itself, but... Uh, being in, being in uh, Selma, Alabama was uh, difficult, but also I, I feel prepared me in a lot of ways for going to Israel. And it's one of the things actually is on our heart is to see uh, African-Americans actually come into, I think they have a special role mm-hmm. in uh, this end times scenario regarding Israel. Mm-hmm. And so if any African-Americans are out there watching this, Black folks from all over the world, go to our website, email me, I can send you, there's an article we did called uh, Dr. King's Unfinished Business that was something I didn't realize was being birthed in my heart uh, years and years ago, my whole life and experience there in Selma. And the thing is that he had planned a trip to Israel, and Israel had actually opened up their doors to him. Uh, But he was, uh, the six-day war broke out and then he was assassinated months later. So that trip never happened. And he was bringing a group of thousands of African-Americans, black choir on the Sea of Galilee. It was this amazing thing. They had opened up the proverbial, given them the keys to the city. And, it, and also they were marching uh, into Jordan. And so I know this was more social justice oriented, but he was gonna bring it and share the gospel. And they actually wanted to hear about Jesus, about Yeshua course, you know, they just don't know the word Yeshua over there as much. Mm-hmm. But And so then he was taken out. So I, I wonder if that's part of the enemy's plan to stop. And then unfortunately, a lot of uh, anti-Semitism and bigotry and hatred against Jews actually came out of that community. So I really feel like there's a and I, I correspond with a lot of well-known uh, black leaders in the U.S. and they feel a, uh, a draw, like a mantle is on their generation to bring a new relationship, because if you see some of the earlier pictures of uh, uh, Dr. King going over the bridge, he's arm-in-arm with Abraham Heschel, one of the most iconic rabbis the last hundred years, Mm -hmm. and they're arm-in-arm over the bridge. For some reason he was taken out of the movie, I don't know, but anyway, so that's my upbringing, was uh, in Selma and then later in Birmingham back where my parents are from, and then I had a radical encounter with the Lord, I'd gone off into craziness and Kobe in and Lynn. out of jail. We went to Kobe Lynn. <laughs> Yeah, into where a lot of uh, young people are. Maybe some people watching this still are. Uh, the Lord can get a hold of you if you let him. So I just really had a radical encounter with the Lord. It's a long story, but I came into uh, understanding that Yeshua, Jesus was the Messiah, really reconnected to Uh, The Jewish roots and our background, which you're just kind of like, "Ah, you know, we grew up, you know, like a lot of people did, not even considering that, especially in the South. And I like to joke that I came from a city of negative 200 Jews. Right. So (laughs) they they saw what happened to the African-Americans. And they said, hey, we're staying away from from the South. you know. So you don't really hear about that, you know. And so later uh, met my wife, who was just released from the army. In Israel, she was uh, studying high school, as all Israelis do. They go into the army; they're conscripted in service. Mm-hmm. You have to realize it's an honor and a privilege for Israelis. They don't think of it as like, oh, I gotta. You know, there's a little bit of apprehension, but they they look forward to it. Now, I think about halfway through their service, they're not really looking forward to it. Uh, they look, but it's it's very difficult and it's a, an intense period of time. But she was released from this because she just asked, "Hey, can I get a deferment to go study?" Uh, abroad so she's going through uh, boot camp and being enlisted in that whole process and they let her out early to go study and uh, a move of God that was happening in Florida where we met and I had just radically come to faith and so I went to the Bible school there and a guy named Dr. Michael Brown is basically kind of raised up under his ministry there and the ministry that was happening in Pensacola Florida so it was an amazing time went to Israel after that and um, where we've been for almost 20 years now of course my wife born and raised there and our five children born and raised in the land and her parents her mother actually came first time in 1967 and uh, her father came in 73 to 76 uh, uh, somewhere in that uh, range and they started Maos Ministries which are they're just pioneers in the land just really an amazing, amazing family. So I kind of married into that family. And also going back before that, her grandparents started a little place in Dallas called Christ for the Nations. Maybe some of your listeners had heard. Mm -hmm. And I think Shinny's grandmother was actually here years and years ago, She was, Rita Lindsay,
1: she sure was. Mom and dad remember that well.
0: So I'm just blessed. I feel like my father being a pioneer of a lot of things and then now kind of all of our families, her side and my side coming together. And yeah, being the land of Israel. She's a second, now we have our children. So that's the third generation of Israeli believers in the land. Born in the land. Now second generation uh, sabras, which Mm -hmm. sabra is, you know what the phrase sabra means? It's a cactus. Okay, well, a lot of viewers might prickly not understand. Prickly on the understand.
1: outside and sweet on well, the inside. Well, you, you
0: guys call it the prickly pear cactus, right? Isn't that what it's called <laughs> yeah. down here? Somebody had to tell me about that. Yeah. I said, well, We actually... We have some outside. Do you guys eat them? Because in, yeah. in Israel, we eat them. I mean, they they're can wonderful. become... Certain kind of species can be, be very sweet. Mm-hmm. And Israelis like to put them in, in ice cream, kind of like you really? would. Really? Strawberries. Yeah, they're really good in ice cream. Try it, by the way. Vanilla right. ice cream. With some kind of little syrup. There's actually syrup and stuff from it. So... The idea, and I can attest to the genuineness of this. Now, this this is a metaphor that they give themselves. So it kind of sounds a little harsh, but that is, is right away. So the Israeli way. So the sabra or the prickly pear cactus, you know, if you look at it, and I did this because they were like, oh, I don't touch it. And I was like, it looks smooth. I mean, what's the big deal? I, but it's really, really, really fine, sharp hairs, and it'll cut you, and it'll actually. It'll get under your skin and it'll create problems. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. You'll be picking those things out of you. And so that's the that analogy they give about themselves. They say, we're the sabras, we're the, that, that prickly pear fruit. And if you touch us, we'll cut you. We're very tough and sharp on the outside as native-born Israelis are. But if you can get past that rough and tough and even dangerous exterior, some of the most beautiful people in the world mm-hmm. and if when they open up to you and, and you really earn the uh, uh, right to speak into their life and you love on them they're the most soft sweet people on the inside but on the outside and a, lot of, a lot of cultures it's the exact opposite right mm-hmm. sweet on the outside but then when you get inside it might not be you wish you wouldn't the, have gone there. the case but but this uh, <laughs> but in this case um, yeah, I mean, you, the world could see a certain view of Israel. Uh, don't look the, don't judge a book by its cover. I don't don't God, believe
1: mainstream media. Well,
0: what's happening is a lot of, you know, people are drawn towards God's heart and plan for Israel, and then we see it a lot. And then when they get close and get to know these people, they're surprised that well, they, they don't really like us so much, you know, and. They don't you know, really like us so much. Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to love you. You know, let me, and you have to realize they're, you know, you, you ever tried to rescue an animal that's been hit by a car or something like that? They're skittish, you know, they'll bite you. And this, this, is a group they're hurting. Of, this is a group of people that's hurting. They've been trampled by thousands of years of anti-Semitism from time and time again, the Holocaust and so forth and so on. Even before that, the Russian programs. Which were horrible, horrible things. You ever watch Fiddler, Fiddler on the Roof? You can Mom's see.
1: favorite movie.
0: You can see little snapshots of it. Well, my uh, my father in law, Ari Sokram, who's, a, I mean, honestly, a spiritual giant, just a mentor, yes, and a father is. in my life. By the way, we're uh, working on a, a series interviewing him and getting some teachings and clips from him. Well, I'm going to turn you on to that when we get it done. We it's just like to talk about. It's a legacy. You know, we're trying to leave legacy and i looked around and i said ari you're telling me all these things over shabbat meals but have you ever sat and filmed these and it's like yeah not really i'm like okay we got to fix that so we're working on that actually right now and uh so he came from a background of real just just tragedy grew up as an orphan his uh his mother suffered tremendously during the russian programs and and their whole family basically were killed, except I think her and her mother. Wow. And so ended up trying to get into Israel, rejected into France, and never found a way. And ended up eventually in the US where uh, my father in law was born. So you have these people that came from such a difficult, persecuted background. No wonder they're, they're a little, you know, reticent. Even Not the
1: hands of the church,
0: I might have. And mostly of, for now we understand Hitler and people like that were not Christians, but they don't know that. That's right. Because uh, by, you know, he he followed, you know, being a Christian on on paper by creed, Mm -hmm. you know, we understand, well, those weren't real Christians and people, you know, that, that follow the Lord understand that, but they don't, and they're taught in their Jewish history the anti Semitism of church and church history and the church fathers, people that are hailed as amazing men of God. You know, I was just in somebody's home and they had this wonderful mural that was beautiful of the, the early church fathers. And I thought that, isn't that interesting? You know, the, that almost half of them, or maybe all of them, were extremely anti Semitic mm-hmm. and led towards people like Hitler. Mm-hmm. taking some of their writings. Mm-hmm. You know, Hitler, when, when they captured him and you know went into his office and, and found different things, uh, they found some of the writings of Martin Luther okay. sitting right there. And so anyway, it's just really fascinating that um, people don't even, they, they can study church history, they don't even know that part of it. And so no wonder they're a little reticent to receive friendship Christians but we are in a new time though things are changing
1: things are changing but now Kobe I know that you have a modern-day challenge in the land of Israel Mm. okay so we've been in Christian television now for 35 years and we've seen a lot in Christian television that. that we really don't like you see a lot of people that are shysters And for some reason, the Christian audience isn't recognizing that these people are actually shysters. Why are you giving them money? Okay, so that's one thing. But then when it comes to the land of Israel, I'm telling you, ministry after ministry after ministry is using the Jewish people and is using the land of Israel to line their pocketbooks. That's what it's all about. There's I, not really any substance there. And I'm telling you, I know in my heart of hearts that the Jewish people who live in the land, especially if they're secular, mm-hmm. they recognize it where Christians don't. What do you do with that now? And how is that affecting your ministry?
0: Well, it's interesting you bring it up. Um, we've. And not going into details, but all of us who, now people need to realize um, we're we're Jews who believe in Yeshua, believe in Jesus. Some people call them Messianic Jews, or there's different nomenclature about that. But we're you know we live as Jews. We're Israeli citizens, and and our heart is for our people. You know, and we. Obviously, connect with Christians, and, and I speak in. I'll be speaking actually in a lot of congregations and churches on this trip, and so there are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Mm-hmm. But we still maintain our own identity. So I think it comes from, you know, I don't. I don't know the motivations. I don't want to say there's. A, it's a desire for money. I think at times it is. I think it can become. A thing where you see, okay, the Lord's trying to draw people towards Israel. Let's say Christians, Mm non-Jews, which by the way, biblically, there's two groups of people, Jews and non-Jews. There's not some kind of like morphed crypto version somehow in between. But, uh, you know, we'll talk about that maybe in a little bit. But you have these people coming over there for various reasons. Maybe they really genuinely begin wanting to help. And I've encountered that many Mm -hmm. times. But along the way, they encounter that rough, tough exterior, and they say, "Okay, well, forget this. We're used to being praised. We're giant ministries. We have a, a huge budget. We're used to people just jumping when we snap our fingers. And Israelis aren't going to jump at anything, you know, especially if you snap your fingers. But you can court them and be, and they can sniff. There's just a gift God gave." I believe to the, especially Israelis, but to the Jewish people, mm-hmm. is they want authenticity and they want a genuine heart connection with people. We say margishas mm-hmm. they They want to feel it in their gut, and if they don't feel that, and they know okay something's off here, I can just tell you and the audience, and you know we were discussing whether we should talk about this because I, I don't want to put people off, and I don't want to put down people because there are some genuine things that are, are coming into Israel to help but there's a lot of terrible approaches from the nations international ministries international groups and a lot of them have budgets Israel's tough we're in a wartime economy and so the body of believers which is very small maybe 10 15,000 some people say the numbers are larger I think it's about 10 or 15,000 and then when you're talking about native born Israelis now that number is even much, much, much smaller. But they, so we are there needing help and then these internationals come and they say, hey, we're gonna buy this facility, we're gonna build this, we're gonna do this. And you think, wow, yeah, we wanna help you. I mean, maybe we can see a reciprocal help here with the ministries that we've had. And in our case, almost 20 years, and others, in-laws, more than 40 years they've been there and, and some even longer and not very many. And so it's like, good. Okay, we've been here a while. Is there a way to kind of connect and help us while we try? But usually what happens is they, and I know this is a harsh word, but I feel like they plunder us for the resource that we are as an Israeli body. You know, I know I, I told people for years coming from Alabama, I spoke Subaru. You know, that's, that's <laughs> Southern Hebrew, you know, but I, we... Learn the language and, and adapt, and now uh, speak fairly fluently, and so we've really embedded ourselves and become one with these people. Is there are a lot of immigrants all over, but they come in and really maybe their their first initial impression is to help, but they wind up just plundering us often, and then just they eventually usually have to leave. They are only there on a six month visa or something like this, and so oftentimes their teachings and everything winds up leaving people more confused. And then the people that we're reaching out to on a daily basis, establishing lifetime relationships, giving our lives for, they isolate and alienate even more. So they're making our life even harder. And I believe it comes from a colonial concept and an arrogance that we know better than you, and we're gonna come and fix you. We're gonna come straighten you Jews out. Oh, we're gonna, we, we have success all over the world. You know, I, maybe we should reinterpret the word success, but we're gonna come in, and what's interesting, this is what happened to the early church fathers. Martin Luther was seeing a, an amazing revival. I mean, really, restoration, re- revolution, you know, but with the Jewish people, they're like, let's debate. And they would, some of them would tear him apart. He tried to talk to some of the rabbis, and some of his writings. He was so mad after this, he said these people are are good for nothing. But their synagogues to be burned and so forth and so on. I mean, if you don't believe me, you can go Google it and read what he wrote himself. But it came out of a, a kind of a, a reaction of I'm used to success. These people are too hard for me. Instead of getting God's heart for it and being broken for them even more and saying, oh, look how far they are. But look at the gift that they are. I mean, they need something real. They need not some kind of flippant, they've been studying the scriptures for centuries. These people have a real, real heart for the Lord. And and adoration, I learned about adoration and worship in some ways from the Jewish people. Something I never really got in the church. Their their songs and their 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 hymns let's call them are so deep. It's all about lifting up God as this in some ways he's unapproachable, which is where they need the Lord. They need Yeshua to bridge that so that God is a personal relationship with them. They, that's so distant and so far, but they lift up Father. They lift up Adonai, the, the God. He's great and he's so he's the universal master of all things. And so you're going to come and tell people that have that history and that legacy, and for for generations, generations, you're going to come just flippantly, and just try to oh, you need to believe in my little personal Jesus. You know they ain't going to buy it. And so what happens is they come in, and these people have they, they just think they're going to just throw money around, and the Jews say, oh, we're we're aware of this, mm-hmm. and they they double down, and then here we come in, and they and they're associating us sometimes with these people, uh, some, and many times you know, un, un, unrightfully associating us, guilty by association. Mm-hmm. So there is a way, there is a plan that the Lord has to bring the nations in. It's clear, it's all throughout the scriptures, but I would encourage people to really do your homework. You don't just flippantly go into any other land, especially Israel. And people don't like it when I say that, but Israel's different. People say, oh, well, it's just like, again, it's arrogancy, this pride. Israel's not special in and of itself. That's the thing a lot of us are trying to communicate to the nations. It's about Father. It's about Adonai. It's about our, our Lord. Israel's important because it's important to Him. And He's pretty important. So if something's important to Him, it should be important to us. And we should be very careful how we approach the apple of God's eye, which in Hebrew, it's, I think it's isha'in. It's the little man in God's eye. And so it's just a, a different imagery in Hebrew. It's not the apple of the eye. It's the little man because you can see reflections in eyes. eye. So mm-hmm. it's what the Lord's looking at. And he's looking at the, the reflection in his eyes, this people called Israel. And you're going to touch that? You're gonna to touch the Lord's eye, so again, sometimes unknowingly, unwillingly willingly, but there's a plan, and I hopefully we're beginning to see the beginnings of this, where the nations and we have great relationships with uh, uh, Gateway Church. If I can uh, mention them, for example, because um, they've come in, they're a group of people that came in, and they they just say, "We're just here. Here, how can we bless? How can we help?" And there are a few other people like that but that just is one that people and I at first when they came in they asked you need to come and be a part of some of their worship conferences and other things that are I thought who really what do these people want They're some of the only people that I've encountered that are getting it the Lord's been speaking to them they've been doing their homework they've been processing what do the scriptures say about Israel and how do, how do the Gentiles how do we relate to this and so sometimes it takes people that don't have an identity crisis and they they what happens is people begin to feel and then you have the other side so you have internationals or they could be small or big budgets that really doesn't matter they come in and they think and they might legitimately have something to offer but you have to come in the scripture says that uh, kings and queens and and princes will be your nursing mothers says in isaiah about israel and you know it's kind of like you know ooh, we're not gonna tell people that you know you're, you're gonna like serve us you will bow down and serve the people of Israel uh, but my father-in-law said so he got a kind of an image of he was changing uh, one of his kids diapers years ago and he realized he had to bow down when he was changing them and now I have five children I'm very very familiar with this you know, too, too familiar, oh Lord. And you change, and you, but you have to get low when you're dealing with an infant, when you're dealing with somebody small and has not really come into their maturity yet. And the nations, God has developed uh, uh, some powerful people in the Lord of the nations. But they need to learn how to come into a situation. Even King Solomon was one of the greatest that ever lived. When the Lord spoke to him, he said, I don't even know how to come in and out of a place yet. This is a very humble statement. It's like, there's protocols, there's ways. I don't even know how to come in or out. And I feel like people have no clue how to come in or out of Israel, whether you're physically going in and out, I even meaning it spiritually. How do you connect with Israel? How How do you disconnect? How do you share Israel? And a lot of people are just saying, "Oh, I know, I know," and it's such an arrogance and pride, and it's creating havoc on the ground in the land. I, you know what? When in the Book of Revelation, Yeshua says, "Yeshua's, of course, God's big word, right? Yeshua means salvation. It's deliverance, healing. It's being saved from drowning, from." Sin, hell, death, salvation's God's big word. That's Yeshua. So when we're talking about Yeshua, we're talking about the really the answer to everything. So in Israel a lot of people they 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 come, they have this identity issue. They don't know um really how to relate to Israel, but they have a passion. Some of them begin with a passion or a desire, whether it's selfish agenda or it's genuine. The Lord's the judge of this. But what starts to happen is they start saying, oh, you know, there's there's this relationship with Israel I want. I see things in the scriptures. I'm fascinated by all these things and they, they might be believers in Yeshua. But they come and they become uh, usually into a situation where their identity begins to become confused because they... They usually have some kind of uh, insecurity in and of themselves, or somehow they become, I believe there's a strong spirit of deception too, mm-hmm. that happens. Mm-hmm. I think that's very clear. And for whatever reason, they begin they, beg- they start to look at themselves as a part of Israel in a way that's unscriptural, and it's just not real. Either they begin to, mis- to think of themselves as spiritual Israel. You'll hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. And they'll misinterpret certain scriptures, like in Ezekiel 37 and other places where the, the Lord's just trying to tell through the prophet Ezekiel, hey, I'm going to bring the Jews back into the land, and it's going to be one nation. You're not going to know it as Judea and Samaria. You're, you're going you're to know it as Israel. I'm going to make it one house. And the importance of that passage is in the end, it says, and when I bring them back into the land, I will save them. I will let them know God's big word, Yeshua. Well, what have some of these people done? They've said, well, that means that there's two houses and, you know, then somehow we're secretly a part of some tribe or something. There's there's many, many variations. But but the the reason that's so tragic to me is, oh, no, they've lost their identity. And they don't even understand that they have an important plan in God's salvation of the Jewish people to bless Israel. Because in Romans eleven eleven it says the gospel went to the Gentiles to make the Jews jealous. Well, it's just kind of a really subtle, but blatant and bold replacement theology that says, okay, we also love Israel, but now we're also, we are Israel. And in every single circumstance, in every single case I've encountered, I I speak in a lot of these Hebrew roots kind of places. And uh, we believe in Hebrew and Jewish roots. I mean, it's one of the things we're talking about today. But in its proper place, because if you begin to remove the ancient boundaries, boundaries are important, borders and barriers. Heck, there's a wall in in heaven. You know, (laughs) these things are important. We need separation boundaries in, in personal ways in our life, in, in public, and when you say, okay, there's no boundaries and borders and variations, and hey, there's no Jew or Gentile, as it says in Gal- Galatians, Paul is talking about in reference to salvation. There's there's access, whether you are a slave or a free man, a Jew or Gentile, whether you're a male or female. It's actually referring to the Levitical law, where you were not allowed to freely worship the Lord if you had defects, if you were a slave. If you're a woman, there are certain restrictions because of her time of the month and things like this. So he's referring to that and saying, no, 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 we're free in the Lord now in reference to salvation and relationship with the Lord. Those distinctions don't matter. He wasn't trying to remove the ancient boundary of gender. That's not what he was saying, and he's definitely not removing God's delineation between Jew and Gentile. Mm-hmm. And when that is moved, I see all kinds of weirdness and strangeness, and it creates havoc and destruction upon God's people, Israel. The very people that some of these people claim to love, they love themselves, and they're not accepting God's plan for them in a humble way to come in and to be a blessing to the Jewish people and to Israel.
1: Kobe, as you've been talking, there's just scripture after scripture running through my head. (laughs) Good. And one of the things that is so important, we have to remember that God's ways aren't our ways. That's right. And his thoughts aren't our thoughts. Does it mean, Kobe, when he says that, does it mean we can't know his ways? Does it mean we can't know his thoughts? Well, Or does it mean don't assume that my thoughts are your thoughts?
0: Well, the New Covenant, uh, New Testament application of that, Paul says, who can know the ways of the Lord, but we have the Spirit. And we, we see all throughout the New Covenant writings, New Testament writings that Things that the prophets longed to understand they were being revealed. Now, of course, we don't understand all of God's ways why things happen. But we just have to accept it. Uh, my wife, who's uh, basically a genius, I think, in some ways. She's pretty awesome. See, she's pretty. She One guy told me.